Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Need to Nerd podcast. I'm your host, EZ, and uh, this is a very special episode. I'm joined by former co-host and actual, like, founder of the show, Michael Merrill. Hey, how's it going? And uh, Patty B, you back in here? Hello, everyone. We're back. Patty B, after his first modern tournament, he takes second in fantasy football and then dives into modern for the first time in Magic the Gathering. What a champion. Uh, Before we dive too far into this, uh, I want to talk about what we're talking about. And I'm actually going to use our nerd fact of the week to actually talk about what we're talking about today. Because this is the most meta episode of Need to Nerd by a substantial margin. We have uh, founder and former co-host Michael on who is also a director himself who guested as a former uh, person for neighborhood which we reviewed uh fantastic short film check it out um we have uh we're talking about the movie famish which former guest josh was sound director for uh from the need to or from the nerd on podcast um and then mikey was actually gifted uh, forwarded a gift from the director of this film for me to watch it uh, in in watching this film. So, um, you know, I'm going to be real transparent. Like, my, the reason that I forwarded you this movie is I was like, you know what? If I'm going to be gifted this movie that I've already watched, I want to review it with the person that I know has spent the most time, like, in the director's seat and just talk about, like, how hard this type of project is with someone like you. Yeah, and the answer is really fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm really excited for it. This is the most meta episode ever. Um, I already know that we'll get retweets from the people who made this film. Um, we'll get support from them because they're friends of the show. Um, but I, I, when I, when Jeff Nimoy, who directed, wrote, produced the whole shebang on this film, was like, hey, like you're a winner, but if you've already watched it, please send it to somebody Mikey, you were the you were the first person I thought of to send it to. Thank you. Man, I'm glad you did. It was a really fun watch. I really liked it. Awesome. Uh, before we get too far into it, don't forget to check out the Discord if you want to head over to... It's just in the show notes, actually. Um, we got... Uh, I'll probably do... We're not going to have a, a Smash Night this week, and not a Game Night this week, but monthly Game Nights are coming, and, um, you know, with no fantasy right now, but... I know that people are getting back into TV shows as like football goes down and I've already am seeing those discords go up. So I'm excited to kind of talk about those type of things with people. Um, I, I don't want to like get too far ahead of, so we're going to review famish today. And um, one of the things that I really think is important to mention is like, yes, Josh, uh, I would consider a friend of mine, like that we've had him on the show before. Um, but we're going to be I, – I think that it's really important that this this content that we do remains honest. And we also just don't review things we don't like. Um, so I'm going to say that, like, we wouldn't be reviewing this if we didn't like it. Uh, and that's that's going to be the start. But Famish is a movie directed, written – It's it is a love project by Jeff Nimoy, um, who you might know as Tentamon. You might know as the director of Digimon the movie. Uh, one of the – Best movies not meant to be a movie of all time, in my opinion. Like, just literally th- three movies mashed together and edited and, like, then rewritten for the English audience to, like, compete with Pokemon. But uh, it- it's really cool to see 
him act in it, him write it, him direct it. It is it is it is a love child of Jeff Nimoy, and that's what we'll be reviewing today. Uh, you might know him from uh, other things uh, as well. I I know that that actually we're we'll probably actually get into that into the film as to where you else you might know Jeff Nimoy, but um. I just want to give a shout out to Jeff for giving us a viewing of this. I know that it's about to hit the the circuit of like cons that are coming back, right? So like this episode has also been a long time coming and uh, they're finally getting after two years to get to premiere this at cons, um, which that's what this movie is about, right? Like it's about these characters or these real people, but like they're playing themselves uh, at an anime convention and like conventions are coming back and they're, they're coming back in full force. And it's really cool to kind of like see a caricature of that. So any thoughts on that before we kind of move into uh, questions from Mikey as we invited him on the show, Patty. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it is a caricature is something that is, you know, made more grandiose uh, as far as some things, but it definitely hits home as far as um, yeah. What, what it's like to be at, and experience those those conventions yeah mikey one of the reasons that i want to invite you back on the show is like you unlike me and patty have actually done what jeff has done like you've create like you've made it you like obviously okay i know that you're gonna tell me like oh no i didn't do this but like you've you've done this thing where like you put your blood sweat and tears into short films i think you've made three is that right Oh, no, uh, well, so I've directed like three long format shorts, which are like 20 plus minutes. Yeah. And I've done a few sh- like micro shorts. Sure. And then I've produced about a dozen short films sure. and two features. So you've you've lived in this space, which we don't get to speak to. And having this yeah. be like somebody's love child, I just wanted someone on the show that would keep us honest. Like like help us understand like what does it really mean to be actual zero budget what does it mean to be like what what like obviously people just had cameras like that that wasn't in the budget like that type of stuff i wanted somebody to keep us honest so i really appreciate you joining yeah yeah no looking forward to talking about it patty why don't you go first yeah so mikey since we haven't really met before what what kind of got you into filmmaking and, and producing movies and what are some of your favorite things about you know making movies? I mean, I grew up a theater kid and uh, my dad was a huge movie buff. We had every wall in our house was just lined with bookshelves with movies and stuff. And like, so I grew up in that world and my dad would occasionally would work in theater and try and get me on like film sets and stuff like that. But, um it wasn't until i got into high school and really got into acting um and then directed my first stage play that like i really fell in love with it um but there was always just more i wanted to do than could be done on a stage and so film was the natural place to go um but in terms of why i fell in love with it i think just like storytelling like i just really enjoyed being a storyteller and um uh i remember one of my first experiences in a theater was with a very dark play that i was probably too young to go see um i don't even remember the title of it uh but like the 
visceral reaction that the audience had watching that was something that I was just like, I want that one day. Like I want to make people feel and react to something that I've created the way that happened tonight. Um, and so that's kind of always been, been my drive of just like, I want to like tell stories that are going to make people feel something. And like, regardless of quality or budget or anything else, like just something that at the end of it, somebody's going to have questions about or enjoy or be thinking about, you know, uh, definitely was not the type to be super into like wanting to make just like general, like blockbuster actions and like, sure. it's cool. And I love doing action, but, um, yeah, anything that has just more of an emotional heart to it, um, or can like get it more of a reaction from an audience that they weren't expecting is, is always really good for me, which is, one of the and we'll talk about it later but it's one of the reasons why i liked this movie and was really surprised by it i i want to mention like speaking of people that like suddenly enjoy dark things that i wouldn't expect them to enjoy uh, patty b is like one of the nicest humans ever and you uh in the last year played frollo uh which and, no yeah. no human would ever expect you to play on stage wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> For sure. So, definitely... so Patty, you're you're coming at this from like a different perspective, um, much more from like, you know, you 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 do local, you do local theater, like you, uh, you enjoy that type of stuff. But, um, I want you to ask your next question because I think that it has been asked on this podcast before to Mikey, but I I think that it's really important to kind of reemphasize it. Yeah, for sure. So, um, with with you know, short, short films, uh, a lot of times it's, you know, lower, no budget, Spencer kind of mentioned that before. So what are some of the most challenging parts as both a, a filmmaker or the producer side, right? When you're making these low to no budget films? I mean, everything becomes more challenging when you're working like low to no budget. And that that's a huge range too. It can be literally $0 or, I mean, low budget, I think is like up to like a couple million technically yeah you know, so like it, it can be a huge range but so, no matter what that range is it's extremely difficult so former coast of cc who's also part of the he's game media network uh, trey uh he just directed wrote directed a um a no budget quote film mm -hmm. uh that was horror and it had i think it it, it kicked it they were looking for an additional seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars of funding which means they already had funding and it, it's still considered no budget at like a million dollars petty wow yeah it's super super low and the thing like i've worked on i haven't worked on anything like above a million before but i've worked on a few slightly higher than i'm used to budgets um the feature i produced last year had about just like our production budget was about ten to fifteen thousand dollars, I think. Um, but regardless of what range you're working in, like you find it's kind of the same issues that you run into, and that's always just like getting the crew you need, getting the gear you need, and it's doable at any level. I think the biggest challenges are just like where do you make concessions and where do you get more creative about what to how to find what you need, and so that can be you know at pulling in a lot of favors which i've had to do on many many short films and 
productions, you know, of just, you know, somebody has a camera, somebody else has gear, um, you know, giving one of the most common things was like the current production company I work with now, um, two awesome producers, Robert Andrus and Brandon Ho. Um, they, I met them because um, I asked them to come on and be associate producers on a project just because they had a lot of sound gear that we really needed. And we're like, hey, we'll give you a production credit or a producer credit on this if you come in, loan us some of your gear, you know. And then, I, I think um, that's so common for what it's that. worth. I want to just highlight what Mikey's just saying is like, you know, like your million dollar budget could literally just go to like paying extras, paying like like all the gear almost all the time can still be free and you could still blow that million dollars on like literally Costumes. just like like yes yeah. exact like anything and and what it comes down to is like the reason it's considered no budget is like you're still bringing in favors to get yeah. this thing made at that cost yeah i mean even even higher like for local indie stuff that's you know anywhere from 10 grand to you know a couple hundred grand most of that's going to pay your actors you're making deals with a lot of your actors and crew for um working for slightly lower than their typical rate or um working for what's called back end which is like essentially they will get a cut of whatever profits the movie makes and they're basically saying like yeah i'll go ahead and not get paid for like two to three years you know because i believe in this project um so like you do have to pull in a lot of favors regardless of what you're working on until you get into like much higher budgets and um yeah it's so it's definitely something where like watching something like this film like famish like you can see very quickly the places where like they definitely would have had to do that one of the biggest things that they probably did to save on their budget is like locations are one of the most expensive things in a lot of shoots and normally trying hey hey don't don't take don't take my question hold on yeah. we're gonna we'll, let's, we'll get there, let's, but like let's put a pin in this did in this film yeah are like they definitely called in a lot of favors obviously it helped that it's uh jeff nimoy and obviously he knows some people to ask those favors you know but like it's it's Right. something that's incredibly impressive and so going into any film even if i know it's going to be a terrible movie you know i always have a certain amount of respect just for the fact that like if i know it was made outside of the hollywood studio system like props to you i don't care how bad the movie is i'm not going to shit talk you too hard i might be critical of some things but like i'm not going to talk down on you because you still made a movie and went to, i know like how hard and right. just like brutal that process is and so props to anybody who does 100%. it on any level yeah I, i'm gonna go on some of my questions i mean i i already mentioned this like one of the reasons that i invited you on to the show the reason that like the second i won that award like that prize from jeff uh was like the reason i sent it to you is because like all right, if I'm going to review an indie film, I'm going to review it with Mikey. And I put off this entire thing due to conflict of my own schedule from, like, having a baby, from, like, you know, real-life stuff just to do it with you. And it just turned out to be perfect time that we get to do it now. Mm -hmm. But, Mikey, what were your expectations going into watching a movie? And, like, what kind of lens did you put on yourself sitting down? 
Well, I mean, I didn't really, in terms of expectations, I didn't really have any. Like, you kind of prepped me for, like, what the movie was about and what to expect and, like, that it was low budget and not at a con. And so I kind of knew what to, like, how to kind of hedge my expectations going into it. Um, But I think it's, like, the important thing, and we'll talk about more later, but, like, I think it's less about what my expectations were and more about what I didn't expect, which was just like how good it was going to be. Cause anytime I hear that it's low budget and especially when it's shot in a situation like how this was filmed, um, there are all kinds of things that you're like, okay, well, there are going to be a lot of like scenes with bad audio because it's, imp- it's nearly impossible to get good audio I, in an uncontrolled environment. I like actually that, have like know, such like... a huge audio. I will get actually, I'll just say it now. There's a specific moment. It was the only moment that took me out of the film in my rewatch. That's actually not true. There's two moments that took me out of the film in my rewatch. But one of them is the bathroom scene with the sister and the kid where it's very clearly dubbed over because they couldn't get good audio in that bathroom. And that's no fault. Like that's just not shot on a soundstage, right? It's shot in a bathroom. And so like, like that's shit. They just had to dub over it. And like, it was obvious to me as somebody that like works in audio and podcasting. It was like, Oh, that was, that was dubbed over. Like, uh, like what's funny is like it, the, the lips were perfect. The, the like, like it didn't, if you didn't work in audio, you might not have even noticed it. But like, as somebody that does, I was like, Oh, that was dubbed over. And I, I don't know that I've ever had that in a film. Yeah. There are like a lot of moments that like, cause my background before I started directing was I worked in sound, um, uh, sound editing and then in theater I did audio design um, as well as some like lighting design stage management but like mostly audio and that's always something that even in big like blockbuster films also catch sometimes and it immediately sucks me out and like there were a couple of times in this film where you know you could obviously tell that it was ADR'd um, and like yeah but, but even it, it, then, like, it, it yeah. almost is like it's not a it, what's what's really interesting and I want to highlight this is it's because you, the concession you're making there, and I want it because we're talking about those, is that you're not recording that bathroom scene in a bath, like in a sound. You're yeah. doing it in a literal, there's a literal bathtub in a literal bathroom, and you're recording from two angles, right? You're, you're on the back angle, and then you're on the front angle of this actual bathroom. Mm-hmm. And so no matter which angle you get, no matter where the boom mic is placed, and also the boom mic has to be in a weird place for like any of Jeff's shots because there's an actual mirror there. So like how yeah. do you do that? So anyway, that was that Every was the moment I for me. In the bathroom it's, it's been <laughs> like i've done it so so many shoots and after every single one i'm like i'm never filming a scene in a bathroom again like i refuse to write that into any script if i see it in the script i'm producing i'm like can we do this any other way because it's so awful and i've i've been a sound operator and and a boom operator on shoots in bathrooms and i've literally been standing like tiptoed on the back of a toilet like not even with a boom, but just holding the mic like over somebody and like moving it as the camera moves. So it stays out of frame. And like, it's just, it's always, and the worst part is when you're doing that, you know, they're not going to end up using that audio anyway, because it's in a bathroom. So you're like, this is so pointless, but like, yeah, outside of like things like that, you know, they are, like I said, the, the, the audio in 
those kinds of situations is hard enough. Audio in like uncontrolled crowd environments are mm. super difficult to get. And like surprisingly, like I am sure there's a lot more of this movie that is ADR or dubbed um, than we can even pick out because that's just going to be inevitable with well shout out to like this shout out the to, way they filmed this shout out to josh who like you know who did it like yeah that exactly. i i'm there telling you, you the only moment that i noticed like from a sound perspective that was it i was like they're in a bathroom i can't even like fault them so yeah uh okay so your expectations were spencer told me what it was how, I, I want to yeah, ask the same so question I, I asked, though. What, what was the expecting. lens you had, though? Like, did you go into it like, Spencer sent me this knowing I'm going to review it? And did you think I'm going to review it as a director? Like, how did you watch it? No, I try really hard to... I mean, it's impossible to completely separate that side of my brain because it's so much of what I do. But I try really hard with any film to just turn that director or producer brain off. Um and the better the film the easier that is to do you know and um if i find i'm sitting in a through a film and i can't turn that side of my brain off it usually means it's not a very engrossing story or it's like there's just so many issues or things like that um and thankfully like this one was one where i was able to sit through it the first time and just kind of watch it and not have that part of my brain turn on very often. And then afterwards I was able to go back and kind of watch it again with that producer director brain on and just be like, all right, you know, let's actually analyze this for review. And that's uh, something that's gotten easier to do as I've gotten older, especially, um, you know, I, I, take care of my nieces part-time and watching a lot of the movie like kids movies with them like has really helped from like i need to turn my director brain off right now or i'm going to rip my hair out like i can't you gotta watch more bluey man like as somebody that like just likes good writing like you just gotta watch bluey with them it's the best bluey is one of my favorite shows yeah that's yeah that one's the best that one's good uh i got i gotta ask this next question um i i felt like watching this there were a lot of there were a lot of scenes where they did a really good job of um, putting a lot of feeling into how Jeff specifically felt um, within like 30 seconds to two minute bursts. Like, and two minutes is like long. Like that, I don't even know that it ever actually took two minutes. But like they'd have like a like a five second awkward moment that you knew exactly i'm not even five like maybe three seconds like i'm actually just like way overdoing this um as somebody that's like directed films that you've acted how hard is that to like convey emotion in a film you're directing while you have to have like a stand-in and then you have to do it and that like how is that i mean it's super hard and there's a reason i I've only done it when I've like absolutely had to. I think the two times that I've acted in something I was also directing, it's because another actor dropped out at the last minute and we couldn't find anybody else. And I was decent enough of a fit, you know, Um, because it is super hard. Like there's, I think Jeff did a fantastic job. I think he handled it really well. And it's very obvious that like, Obviously, he had some advantages, like he was playing essentially himself, 
you know um in a way he has a ton of experience as a voice actor as a writer as a director for you know animation um and especially since his background is in animation which almost more than any other format really understands what it's like to work on a budget with a tight deadline and needing to make sure that you give proper service to a story with the limited time and resources that you have um that i think he was able to really you know know what he needed from each scene before going into it that's and that's the biggest thing with any director period but especially when you're also acting in it like not only you but your assistant director and everybody else in the cast and crew need to know what you're trying to get out of a scene and that preparation both from a technical perspective and from a storytelling perspective um he obviously had an amazing crew who knew the script who knew what they were trying to accomplish and they had to have created a really solid plan ahead of time to be able to pull this off because inevitably everything that can possibly go wrong on a film set will probably go wrong. And so you have to have so many plans in place. And if you don't, the minute something goes wrong, you're in panic mode and trying to just problem solve. And you can't do that when you're trying to be the director and then also have to turn that off and step in and be a character and be genuine and emotional in a scene. You know, yeah, I obviously had a great crew and, you know, I got to rewind on what you just said, Mikey, because, you know, I, I, as I was typing this, I was like 30 seconds to two minutes. And then I actually rewatched one of the scenes before we went, before we, I came on here and I was like, how long did this actually take? And it was actually 14 seconds of awkwardness. And I, I just, I want to understand like how, uh, as a person that's done like that low budget stuff, not only is he acting for himself, which I found really impressive in this. And I'm like, honestly, like I'm not the biggest Tentamon fan. Uh, I honestly am a huge, like uh Digimon movie fan. So like my Jeff Nimoy love is like, you know, like he, he, he made one of my favorite like kid movies. Right. Mm -hmm. But it is impressive. The, to me, and I want you to tell me if I'm wrong, the dedication it takes to keep in like 14 seconds of awkward to really convey a message to that you can then, in my opinion, because of when this was placed in the scene, because when this was is like right when he gets there with the the handler and with the guy, uh, and then he, like there it's I think it's 14 seconds Those and then the paycheck yeah and then like. Yeah the rest of the awkward moments can all be one to two seconds because they've established how awkward this is for Jeff, but it mm -hmm. takes an amount of discipline to really hammer that home to me. Is that, am I wrong? Like, is that not good? Like that's what I was, that's, that's my question is you are, you're the, you're the actor in this position. Uh, you, to me, I'd want to keep like as many seconds as I'm in. Like, I'd just be like, here's all of yeah. the awkwardness that I could portray. Uh, how awkward was it? And then again, how do I portray that awkwardness throughout the rest of the film? I think, first, I, I think they did a great job with that. I think there's a lot that goes into it, and being the actor, writer, director, you know, and being 
heavily involved in the editing bay, I'm sure like that's hard to separate yourself. And I think one of the biggest things in terms of the question about like knowing what to cut and like wanting to keep more as much in as possible, like that really does come down to the edit and to having a good team. I know when I've been acting and directing, a lot of times my assistant director is almost being as, or my cinematographer are being as much directors as I am, you know, and you have to really trust those people and, and value their opinion and be like, and when they say like, Hey, I think we need to cut this, or I think that's, we need to that's a good answer. Down, you know, yeah. being able to trust them is super. That was my initial reaction. Important. Go ahead, Patty. Right, was a, a lot of that has to come through editing because when you're in that moment, it's it's really hard to see, especially when you're jumping between, well, you know, being the coach and the director, telling folks what to do, doing it. I think a lot of that, maybe you try some things, right, and then let things go, and and then yeah, find that in the it, in yeah, the editing room. And Mikey, correct me, like that's an establishing shot, right? Like it's like a, it is it is purveying the story moving forward. You're talking about that, like, the yeah, that specific scene. scene, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, not necessarily an establishing shot, like technically, but I'd say it's it's establishing an important tone for the movie. Yeah, you know, which it... is how uncomfortable he is at these cons and how much of kind of he's kind of an asshole, you know. And, yeah, like this is his personality and this is the way he is, and like get ready because it's going to be you know 90 minutes of of this until yeah. the character changes <laughs> well well the thing is is like I, I think it oh man well i'll actually i'm gonna i'm gonna put a pin in this because it's actually gonna be one of my love it's later because you answered my question really well um i do want to say also like there's a there's a really common just one last thing on this point which is there's a really common saying um in film and i'm forgetting who the quote's from but um it's the movie is written or is made three different times uh once in the script once during production and once in the edit and they're completely different movies and that's i'm sure that there are very different versions of what this movie was in the editing bay that is even more different from what they were thinking they were shooting at the time that's even more different from what they had in the script you know well, and being able to at least keep a through line and make sure that you're staying consistent with what the emotional tone of the story is, what the message you want to get across is and the, the audience that you're trying to deliver that to throughout all three of those steps is super important. And that's obviously something that they accomplished here in the I, final product. I, I love that. And one of the things that I was going to mention that I, what I decided not to, but I will, because of what you just said is like, I have no idea how many takes that was. Like, that could have been one take. That could have been 15 takes. Like, that depends on when it was filmed, how much time they had left. Like, because of the budget of this film, like, that could have been... Who who knows what that specific moment was? Mm-hmm. But, like, that... Whatever I counted, like... To me, 14 seconds of awkwardness or so. Uh, that, that could have been three times. That could have been one time. That could have been 15 times. Mm-hmm. But all I know is that it, it set the tone for a lot of what Jeff was feeling throughout the rest of the film. Uh, as a, a person that's done this in like this low, no budget, how do you think that they handled capturing a con? Uh, do you mean from like a technical aspect or like, I, I mean from here's the thing I didn't, I do not want this to be the first part of my next segment, which is could be betters. And I want to know how do you feel like, 
they captured cons on this film. Like what it's like to be at a con. Yeah. Well, I mean, oh, I don't think that's the point of the film. So no, actually, that's actually that is actually a really good question. You might have just fixed my could be better. That is not the point of this film. It is actually not to be at a con that this film is about. It's actually the other side. It is to be a person presenting at a con. Being a person yeah. of interest. Yes. I mean, I think they captured the atmosphere of a, of a convention super well. And like a lot of the, you know, you could tell everybody who made that movie had been to a lot of cons because even side people that would pop up for 30 seconds, you know, or just little insert shots. You're like, oh, I've seen that dude at a con before, like, <laughs> for sure, you know. Um, so I think they captured that really, really well. And I think they also did show the other side of the curtain, you know, of like, what it's like to be and we hear stories about it all the time you know about what it's like to be the like famous or fame-ish person um and how tiring that must be and how you know like just all the crazy different experiences that you must have in a single day and you do that over and over and over again um and so I think that they and we're kind of switching orders here. I know from your show notes and stuff, but like one of the things I love so much about it was the fact that they really gave this view of like why the fans love it so much, as well as why the people who keep going do it. Like that's kind of the whole, without spoiling anything, that is the whole point of this movie and of Jeff's arc is like, going from like i'm doing this for money to like realizing why all of his friends that are going to these cons enjoy going to them so much you know and the love that those communities have for their fandom you know and being i love it lucky enough to like be receiving of that as one of these celebrities uh i want to be clear though i i think that we all did a really good job of not spoiling the movie so far um there comes a point, though, when we get into Could Be Betters and Lovets, where we do, we are going to talk about spoilers. So, one, if you haven't watched this, it is fame-ish on Amazon. That is actually how you have to search it. Otherwise, yeah. you will not find it. Um, and um, I, I will say, I think, uh, just like right now, I'll, I'll give it a thumbs up. Like, they should watch it. Like, you guys feel the same? Yeah. Yeah, thumbs up all around. Go watch it. Let's go into spoiler territory. I'm going to disrupt the heck out of these show notes because I'm going to go first. <laughs> um, I I don't know. I, I think I don't know what it would cost to get a con to let you do like a full sweeping shot of a con or like a full walkthrough shot of a con. But like I... I felt like they did not capture, like, I, uh, we'll get into this during some, maybe my love it's, but like, I have, I have done panels at cons before, like as a Magic the Gathering person. Uh, this con, I just don't believe the Madison Wisconsin con is this small, is how it was presented to me, and I don't think it would be that hard to get permit i don't know mikey like you tell me like what would it cost like 500 bucks like what would it actually cost to get one shot through the con i mean 
you typically don't work in terms of like one shot. You usually have a, a larger like. Okay, but let's let's say you do five like, shots to the con to do like place con shots through, right? Like I just don't. I it it seemed because they did a really good job of one like it was very clear that they either shot after the con as the con door closed yeah. or before the con doors opened, and it was still the con like. That is what a con like. If you're the first one to con, that's what it looks like. That is yeah. not even the first one. Like, if you're like the first, like Thursday's the first three hundred people at a con, that's what it looks like. Yeah. But if you were, if you were there in the afternoon, that is not what a con looks like. Just yeah, super packed and because I, I imagine like some like drone shot like above things might have helped fix that. Maybe some like going through the crowd. Right, as far as Spencer to what you're you're saying, right? And I don't know if that would take too much. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I think I think a drone shot would be out of what the the cinematography was for the film, sure. right? That would have made sense. But like, if you like did a cut scene, and Mikey, you correct me, you're the director. Like, if I do a cut to a scene, and I can cut through a con line or whatever through like an actual packed con like that takes me through this experience yeah for sure um i think so like there's really uh, no way to answer the like what would it cost question that's the thing is because there's yeah. so many things that go into a contract like that um again i'm sure it really helps that it is somebody who has some status at these cons but i can tell you there's going to be two different like issues that they would have been balancing which is like what does the film need versus what the con will allow versus what the and and honestly can actually pull off because some of that may have been the con saying like hey we don't want you to film during our busiest days that's okay and then some of that may have been the crew just being like hey people are going to recognize several of the people in this film yeah we okay stop production you know yeah that's to, fair like, have these meetings that that would be that, that would be inappropriate you know what? I think they and and this the only reason I'm saying it could be better. Uh So, um I was at a magic uh event that was filmed where they asked everyone to just act as though they were at a magic event and they did it. Like they got to do the filming, it was in the production. I I would assume that if you're like, hey, we've got Jeff Nimoy, <laughs> like you all know him, he's the creator of the Digimon movie. Like that's all you have to say. All we want you to do is just like not look at the camera. Like if somebody f's up, somebody f's up, and then they're like, okay, well then we can't do this. And maybe that's what they did. I don't have the behind the scenes on this. I'm just saying like. It felt like we got the first 300 people in the con look, and that's the only part of the con look. And as somebody that often has to join cons at, like, you know, in the afternoon, like, maybe after the first four hours of work, I I, I do not get to experience what, what was shown. Yeah, which is fair. I mean, that's... I think the other thing is that... Um, part of that is also, like, this wasn't in a big con, and that's kind of... It, it, not just a logistical thing, but probably a little bit intentional because 
not all cons are that like i've been to a lot of cons where the entire con looked like it was the first two days of the con oh that's fair maybe 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 i'm maybe i am in the minority yeah like i mean obviously like fan x or something like that like is that super packed but i've been to a lot of other cons where it's just so fun fact that is the one that i people here every day you know so fun fact van x is what i presented at and that was what i was judging it off of yeah <laughs> not all right anyway uh that was my i feel embarrassed now uh uh i, I just want to give a quick warning uh that there is going to be some use uh talk of uh substance abuse whether it's alcohol or drugs um i i just want to say beforehand that um you know you should use your medication as it's prescribed Go ahead, Patty. Yes. So um, that was one of my could be betters um, here. We'll start with uh, I'm, I'm building a, a corny scale, right, as far as where things go from like no salt or butter to uh, the corn kid from uh, TikTok. Um, I was kind of rating this kind of in the five range, right? It's movie theater butter with extra salt, um, just kind of middling. I don't know. There, there's there are some moments where it got a little too corny for me but that's how it is and then yeah like spencer kind of mentioned there with the the xanax use when he's kind of going off the deep end um that was just like an actual amount that like could do horrible things and i was not (laughs) I, i think that can be can be harmful can i yum your yuck yeah yes Okay, because normally I don't like yucking people's yum, but I want to yum your yuck. I think that Jeff is really sending a message through this specific piece, and he's really trying to hammer it home to people to not abuse drugs. And I, as somebody that like uh, can understand that, would encourage people that if you watch this films that. I don't think that the film, like, glorifies Xanax use. I think that what it does is it says, don't take Xanax and drink alcohol. I think that is literally one of the points of the film, and I'm I'm a little confused by your could-be-better. Um, it's... So, I, I thought that it was kind of a thing through the film where the, there's a line, right, where whenever... The, the, take as much, ha, as much as you... As much as you can spare. As much as you can spare. Yeah. yeah. I... I I think that your yuck for this, your could be better. Uh, intentional yuck, like your yeah. I think it's supposed. It. I think it's supposed to be yeah. there. And uh, I don't think. For one, we haven't mentioned this, and I will put it in the rating for the the podcast. This this, this is not a kids movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know we're usually really family friendly here, but Xanax is is a prescription drug for a reason. Um, as somebody that has clinical anxiety, um, I, I don't even take it. Like, I, I think it's, it's pretty strong. It's not something that I would, I would use personally uh, without my doctor really talking to me about it. And it is clear that Jeff in this is saying that, he, that either he personally has abused it or his character in the film has abused it. But I, I, I'm not trying to yum your yuck, but I, I think that it is clear in the film that he is abusing it and you shouldn't do it. Sure. Okay, I can see that. You still think it was too much, though? 
Yeah. You think the point was conveyed too many times? Actual, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a I think that's a fair criticism. Like it's already clear he's abusing it. Mikey, you're you've been like thinking about this. I know that you you have your own struggles. What do you think? Yeah, I mean that's uh I think in terms of the Xanax usage and the alcohol usage, I kind of lean more towards with with Spencer where I think that was very intentional and it I'll get more into it when we get to our love it's but one of the things that I actually really liked about the film was the fact that they did not curtail or hide or glorify that lifestyle at all and really did show how harmful that was to him not just physically but socially and mentally you know um that being said i do agree with patty about like the corniness of that like there were a lot of things in this movie that were a little over the top for me or a little like kind of like ham hammy in terms of the acting or things like that that i think may have been why you felt the like that way about the xanax usage is because there's a very stark contrast sure. a lot of times between scenes where it's like these very corny, like bordering on dad jokes sometimes. And then the very next scene, we're like pounding Xanax and vodka and it's like walking out. through a con, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. So like that balance, I think is probably one of my things that could have been better was like, I, I don't think that the Xanax usage was made necessarily too much. So much. Oh my like gosh. There could have been a better balance. Hold, hold between on. The comedy and that serious tone. Hold, some hold on. Sharp, sharp I, I actually think I have an exact could be better for this exact thing. Because uh, I uh, I had this thought. This was not true in my first watch. And it was true in my second watch. So the fact that he does the scene. This is like spoiler. Like we're going to get into spoilers. And I want to be clear that like. If you got this far. You still haven't heard a real spoiler yet. But you're about to hear one. Okay. So. When Lana walks up to him and uh, what's her, is it? Nikki. Nikki, but that's not her real name, is it? Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. Oh, there. That is Nikki's real name. Yeah. Yeah. When Nikki Lana was up to Brian. Yeah. When Nick. When Lana. Oh, it's Lana. That's not her real name. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. When Lana walks up to Nikki and him, like and like has this fit after they just had that really sweet moment in bed. That was like, why would you do it this? Like, that was heart-wrenching. It goes like, oh, this is the climax to, oh, no, it's not the climax yet to, is it the climax? Like, that was that was uh, a little too roller coasty. I actually agree with that. And I think that it goes into what Michael just said of like, yeah, we get it. Thank you. So, uh. Mikey, do you have any other could be betters before I move on to Lovitz? Um, not really. I mean, I, I would say like when I say that there was that balance issue, I think it was very slight. Like it was just a tiny bit too much on the you know comedy and like like I was kind of the opposite where I actually liked the fact with how quickly they like it had this sweet moment oh and man i hated immediately it destroyed it. You I know what's like, funny? Yeah, As I like about how that would go. I did like it the first time. But the fact that they just had the conversation, it bugged me the second time I watched it. I'm like banging on my keyboard. Like it bugged – like the second time I watched it, I was like, 
which is not even true. This is actually the third time I've watched this film. So it's actually the third time I watched it. I was like, why, why would you not like, you've known each other for like, maybe that's why. I don't know. It takes place in such a short time. It's so hard. But, like, I've been the guy that, like, fell in love in, like, you know, 48 hours before. It's fine. Um, yeah, I think the pacing of that was, like, in general, both with the comedy and what we were just talking about uh, and with that, about their romance. Like, I think pacing was probably the biggest issue that I had with it at certain times. And I think even if they had still, if they had found a way to still shoot it in the same location, because I'm sure, like, all one con, but, like, oh, that'd be so hard. They, maybe make it they, feel like it was a like he had traveled like two cons con dude that'd be like so cool dude it would have been know, so like cool pick up in denver yeah, yeah it, that actually would have been insane same. like most cons yeah pretty similar it, to be know. fair that would probably be so much more expensive like the fact that they got to shoot this at one con probably saved them like i don't know like two three million like so much money they, I mean, that was that's more of a story thing of like you could have made it seem like two separate cons while still shooting it at one con. I think it's more about like the extras and stuff where like if you see the same person, you know, between I don't know if, if you just like make it shot. if you don't make it Milwaukee, you make it like like Salt Lake and Denver. Like it would yeah, like that wouldn't even matter. Just yeah. need them to change costumes. Yeah. Yeah, you can go. To, you go. Do you know what? Uh, let's go to my first love bit. I, because I actually think that it goes against what we just said is it could be better. There were very few continuity issues in this film. Uh, that was impressive. That That is something that I expected to take me out of it. And I finished it today and I was like, wait a second. Were there, were there any continuity? It, like, like, I didn't see like a left hand, right hand. I didn't see a mug in a different place. Like, I didn't see a costume in a different place. I didn't see a person doing something different. Like, that was that was really impressed. Like there were like no continuity issues that I could find. Yeah, I can't think of any off the top of my head. I want to say because it's been a minute since I rewatched it. Um, not too long, but like I think I rewatched it. Like a. I know. I asked you like he gave us he gave you us the swim in like October, like a year right? And a half ago. No, no, October. I th- no, it was earlier because I watched it when we were still at our old apartment. So you initially sent this. Oh man, it must be so long. It's sure. been so long. Sure. But I did rewatch it last uh I think about October because we were going to do this. Yeah, that that's right. That's right. That's I right. It. Um but um I think I remember seeing like one, maybe two shots that were like reused shots, but like Oh, that could be noticeable. true. No no no. Um, I think I think that there was overhead shots, right? They reused yeah, that could be. I'd have to rewatch it. I would like, too. There were very few continuity errors, which was very yeah. impressive. Yeah, I. I transitions. So my other, my other love it's I, I'm just gonna rapid fire them, um, and then you guys can jump in. Like, stop me if you want to add to it. Uh, the Vonna reveal twice. I think that both her age reveal was fantastic, and then her delivery of. Lana Lang is both my real name and who I was cosplaying. Both of those scenes were fantastic. Like, that was so good. Uh, I, I just, I thought it was amazing. Um, I love the awkward moments. Um, I, I really hope the dude that was swimming across the pool 
while Nikki and Jeff were talking got paid. Like, I hope that was not somebody that was like, hey, can we film while you're doing this? Because he deserved every dollar that he got paid if he got paid. It was so funny. It was so funny. I was cracking up today. Um, and then I felt like there was such good casting. I think a really good example of this, I, Mike, you, Mikey, you try not to spoil it. Or maybe it was Patty. One of you kind of mentioned it. The very beginning scene where they talked to the guy in the Naruto cosplay. And then that they reused later for like, to like show you the time frame. Back to there. Dude, uh, I've met that guy. Like, and what's really funny is uh, we were watching it, and I was like, oh, did he deliver that line poorly? And I was like, you know what? No. Actually, I've met the guy that would deliver the line exactly like that. He played that character really well. And I, one, uh, I think that character is cool. Like, I, I legitimately am like, I don't know. I'm I'm impressed with these people that can go to these conventions and let themselves out like this. Like, I think that the, the cast typing and the overall accurate casting in this film was amazing. Like, the kid asking for the autograph after, and, like, gave, that gave... They gave him his outfit, like the oh, was, yeah. like the casting in this film was so on point. Uh, that is honestly like you could have cast anyone for any rule on this budget, and that is not what happened. Like, I I was really impressed. Um, well, I think one thing on that is the uh, it's like I don't think that guy was an actor, the Naruto guy. Um, there are yeah, no. very few yeah. people credited in this film and because I can tell you right now the way they saved money was like they just went to cons be like hey do you want to be in a movie Dude, sign this release that be so, I, that makes me so happy movie, please. please tell me that no. is true uh, sure Josh Josh you're watching Jeff Jeff you're probably watching let us know like I thought it was so good I wish more if, if that is true Every low budget film should be made like this. Like, it was. I one hundred percent would be like, yes, I will be. In I, it was so good. It was so good. Uh, not just not just the Naruto guy, but like, there were so many moments where like somebody like the 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 Naruto dan or not the Naruto the My Hero dancers. There's no chance they're credited. Like, they just filmed them in that elevator shaft, right? Like. There, like that was fantastic. Anyway, I thought the casting was great. Uh, With that note on casting, like, I definitely know each of those people. Like, we all know, like, a person who is exactly like Bobby the Handler, or someone who is exactly like Brian, um, you know, the the rival star. Um, that was that was perfect. Yeah, that's actually he, that's he's not he's well. not that by the way. So he's actually like no. So, a total sweetheart yeah, for what it's worth. He actually did things. Yeah, go ahead. He's so like the supporting cast was like my number, like my, I only had two things for like my love, which the supporting cast, 
was one of them and like all super funny super authentic not just the people who were obviously just con attendees that they got to film it but like um and the the guy you're talking about is brian donovan um and yeah like probably my favorite just because he is such a genuinely good guy and like a super like he's a big advocate for a lot of different like charities and like all these different things and just the, the sweetest dude in real life um, but got to play such an asshole in this and like just the worst guy uh and he did it so well and that was just i i, I so, so today i started this film uh with maxwell in the room because i thought he was gonna fall asleep because he was super sick today and he goes is that davis <laughs> yes it is also we're gonna pause this <laughs> you're 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 not watching Davis say some of the stuff he says in this you're, movie. You're done. you're done. But, like, I I love him. Like, Davis is a great character. He's super funny. The Their, their banter together felt so great. Like, if you watch Digimon, like, and you get this relationship, you're like, oh, this is funny. Like, this is, this is really funny. Uh, so it was really great. Um, and then the, the next thing I want to mention, I might cry during this, but, um, listen, I am not Jeff Nimoy. I'm not anybody, but I have felt a small amount of this famous crap, uh, that this movie related to me. Like I've been on a con panel for MTG. I've been a guest host on podcasts for MTG. I've done... Uh, people have told me that I'm their inspiration in MTG, like, and so many moments felt real for me where Jeff's reactions are honestly my reaction. Like I have this reaction. I actually bet the person that I'm talking about is listening to this. So shout out to you. Um, but somebody told me that like they weren't going to podcast because they didn't think they were good enough. And then they listen to me on CC. They're like, this guy's authentic. So I can just be my authentic self, get better every week like he does. And then I can podcast. And it's like, he said that to me. And I was like, I have to put on my headphones. I'm going to go cry now. <laughs> like, that's like an unbelievable thing to say to a human. And multiple times people said things to Jeff. He's like, that's that's stupid. Like I'm, I'm Jeff Nemo. Like I'm not the person you think I am. What's weird is that I am my authentic self and that people look up to me for that. And to me as somebody that does not think a lot of themselves, that's weird. And I thought Jeff did a really good job of conveying that. You know, people people work really hard on a lot of things that they do. Um, I think I think often people don't fake it, and that I'm just less willing to fake it than other people. So, like, if you're if you're from CC, if you're here from this show, if you're here from Smash Through, if you're here from my Twitter for some like whatever you're here from, um. I think that being your genuine self is really cool. And one of the one of the loves that I would have of the show is how endearing it was that Jeff was himself. Like 
He's like, dude, I'm not going to hug you. Um, I actually can tell Michael wants to talk about that exact moment. So I'm going to, I'm going to pitch it to him so I don't cry. Yeah. So like that, um, the, the, the handshake that I had with, um, I mean that the, the way that end the, the movie ends, like I just was not expecting that. And like that, the, yeah, the guy coming in with the picture was it like, is just, Oh my God. I cried like hard at that one. Like, and I don't cry at a lot. I get teary plenty of times in movies, but like fully crying. Like that was something where I was just like, that broke my heart. And I remember going to Alex and, uh, cause she, I'd be like, Hey, I have to watch this for Spencer's podcast. Um, and she, for the first half of the movie, I like paused it about three quarters of the way through and, uh, she asked how it was and I was like oh it's pretty good like it's you know like there's things that could be better but like I've, I it's fun you know and then uh, she looked over at me right when that scene was happening and I was just in tears <laughs> she's just like oh so it got better I was like oh it's it's so good this is so heartbreaking like it's so uh, but like the the thing I was gonna go with like my second thing was like the fact that it kind of ties in with like what we were talking about with the drug use and things like that but the the fact that this is a film which is very obviously like at least partially autobiographical or based it's a total pov it's a total pov yeah um if not his life then people he knows for sure and with the subject of the film like the the protagonist essentially also being the writer the director the lead actor in it like this movie could have so easily just been a cringy self-glorifying ego stroke. And there were so many points, especially early on in the movie where I was worried that that's kind of where it was starting to head and straying into that territory. But by the end of the movie, when it gets to that scene, like I was crying right there with him and like, they just did such a good job of making you, sympathize with jeff without ever excusing his behavior without ever glorifying his behavior and saying like yeah he's got issues he can be an asshole he's got these like substance abuse problems but that doesn't make him a bad guy it doesn't make him heartless it doesn't make him irredeemable and at the end of the day like he's trying to figure his shit out yes he he is asking the same question as like it takes the 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 POV stance and it like flips. It's like, wait, am I asking the same question as the audience? Like, am I, what, what is important to me? Cause it, is it what's important to the audience? Because the audience is not Jeff. The audience is Jeff's audience, mm-hmm. but Jeff right. is the POV. So like, I, I think that it does ask that question. Like, is what is important to Jeff the thing that's important to the audience? And I think that it answers that question really well, like you said, Michael. Yeah, and you do spend so much of the film thinking that this is just a POV of, like, celebrity life and, like, nerd culture and that kind of thing. You're like, oh, this is kind of like a cute, you know, occasionally cringy look at both of those things. Um, And then, you know, by the time you get to that ending, you, you realize, like, oh no, this was a film about the fans and about how much of a disservice people like Jeff's character in the beginning 
we're doing to those fans, you know, by just simplifying them down to nerds and, and fanatics and things like that. And like the, and what we talked about earlier about like the reason that this culture is so important to so many people is not because they just really loved a TV show. You know, it's because that's the TV show they watched with their dad or with their brother or, you know, with their best friend. Um, and like, that's something that is far more impactful and meaningful to them than anything that he could have created on Digimon yeah. ever could have been. And that's yeah. why he's there. And that's why he needs to be a better person, you know? And I think that if there had been any other reason that Nikki had given him a second chance, it would have been a shitty movie. Like it would have just not been worth it. But the fact that that's the lesson that he learned for like, that was the only reason good enough for Nikki to be like, to not immediately be like, I am never talking to you again, you know, like, so um, yeah, just watching his character arc and seeing him grow like that was like, just really what made the movie for me. And the ending makes up for, anything else that could have been done better or written better or performed better or any, no matter what money they possibly it like could adds have to it in some ways, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It just becomes so much more. That's not as like uncommon. Like it, it seems like just like one interaction, but that happens all the time with, with fandoms and, and nerd things that we love and enjoy. Right. We, we invest ourselves yeah. into that. And, um, it, yeah, it's, it's good for to have that like realization. Like you are, well, um, I think you said something about like as far as li like lines in the script of, you know, if it wasn't me, it would be someone else, right? Mm -hmm. But no, it was you. It, it like you're important, and what you did matters. Yeah, and like the fact that you don't realize that until it's usually too late. And with Jeff, it almost is like he very, like almost goes over the edge, you know. And the fact that. I think there are so many messages that can be pulled from this movie and some of them, you know, most of them I'm sure were intentional, but some of them maybe not. And like, that is probably one of the biggest ones. I think if you're looking at Jeff's character of just like the fact that you don't know the impact that you have until it's too late or until, you know, it's, it's way past the time that you thought you would have any impact. I mean, that's one of my favorite bands that i've followed since i was like probably like 14 years old it's not even a band it's just the singer who's had multiple bands um i had an opportunity to meet them and talk with them and like tell them what their music meant for me and the fact that their music had literally saved my life when i was going through you know severe depression and, and suicidal tendencies and things like that and like um you know, that's something that you do hear stories about all of the time, but until you see it like you do at the end of this film, like it doesn't feel real. And this film did a really good job of showing very genuinely those real moments that happen all the time in our fandoms in MTG, like Spencer was talking about in film in like, I play, I, I, I'm very into D and D, and I have DM'd professionally before. For uh, oh no no no, uh, we'll like... talk about, we'll talk about that part later. Don't worry. Okay. Well, and anyway, the the times that you find out that you impacted someone like that, and 
one of one of the, my favorite things that ever happened in film. I I have frequently thought about leaving film. Like it, it is just part of being a filmmaker is you are constantly questioning whether you should keep going. And I know that whenever that time comes for me to step away, I will be able to be happy about what I accomplished because of one Facebook message I received from a film um, that I did a while ago that um, dealt with some issues of like domestic abuse and a woman I did not know messaged me and reached out to me to tell me how much that film helped her to kind of come to terms with some of the things she experienced and like put into words what that was like psychologically for her. Um, and like that helped her like connect with her therapist about what she had been experiencing. And like, I honestly thought that was probably one of like the worst films I had done and was just like, well, this is like getting the least attention out of anything. And like, it's won no awards, and all this other stuff. But then months after it came out, this woman reached out to me and like made such a huge impact on me as a filmmaker and as a person and so like those moments i think are so special for any creative art and industry and this movie did such a good job jeff did such a good job of capturing that in one scene yeah i first of all michael i appreciate you shared multiple really personal things uh in the last like two minutes so i want to thank you for that um you also made me think of some of those types of messages that maybe i've received from my time and um i really need to hear that right now so i just want to thank you personally too uh i i want to, patty and i are share the next love it dude so I don't know how scoring a film works. I don't know how like music in a film works. Like when you actually have like music in a film, but it, uh, there was like a, like it had to be less than five minutes where five different songs played to convey emotions of Jeff without Jeff having to say a line, uh, between like bed, out of bed, in bed, out of bed, like, down the stairs, out of, like, the room. Like, what? what? Like, I knew exactly what was felt through this film, through the music, to a T. I'm gonna... Listen, I don't, I don't give this kind of praise often. I'm not the kind of guy. This was scored as well as, like... Oh man, I'm gonna get so much crap for this. Uh, this, uh, the the wet, the amount of the score gave the emotion was like on the level of Lord of the Rings and Star Wars to me. Like I knew exactly, exactly what I was supposed to be feeling during this film. What was funny though is that there's not music throughout the whole film. It was in the moments there was music. They told me what I was supposed to be feeling. And that was weird to me. Like, when I was watching today, I was like, oh, I know what you're feeling. Oh, I know what you're feeling now. Oh, I know what you're feeling now. That was weird, but it was very conveyed. Top notch. What? 
Is that low budget, Michael? Like, what in the world happened? Um, well, I mean, there's a few different ways to score something. That's usually one of the larger costs of post-production after editing is scoring. A they film. were using real uh, music, like real music. Yeah, and you can there are some cheaper ways of doing that of like you can contact a composer and they can have things they've already written. No, no, no. Uh, this was like custom for you. This but... was like actual, like lyrical, like top 40 songs. Yeah. And like that includes when you're, when you're creating soundtrack and stuff like that. Like oh, okay. Okay. There's a lot of ways you can kind of cut costs there. Um, at the end of the day though, as long as it's our like, sample, it's our samples cheaper. Um, yeah, you typically have to, you can't really use samples in film. You have to buy the rights to use. How do they get so many songs? Um, they, again, it's very likely that he had a contact with a music producer or something that was able to get them a deal. Um, cause yeah, it's, it's usually, it's probably calling in favors when it's this low budget to be okay. able to get like really popular music. Patty, Patty, this is my last could be bet. Not even could be, but sorry, my last love it. Like, what happened here? Like, you had the same reaction to me, right? Like, where it was like, oh, I know what I'm feeling because the music told me not only like sound wise, which like you could just hire a composer to do that for the film, but like lyrically, they told us what we were feeling. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that that's something that's, a, that's important to me, right? Is 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 music because I, I I love music and, um, yeah. Uh, what was the? I can't remember the name of the last song, but there the, there's so many different points where, um, not even just telling you how to feel, but like you even if it's just an instrumental, like you know, like it it was great. I don't, I don't know how much more to. What are your love it's Add there. Um, the only other like love it that I, I have that I had put down here was, you know, we talked a little bit about how, you know, I kind of do some uh, acting at a local or community level and watching like the parts where Jeff is trying to find work <laughs> in L.A. and through whether it's stepbrother or, you know, people he knows. Right. And that like, oh, you're too overqualified, you're underqualified, you're not exactly what we're looking for. Right. Like that grind and struggle of, of finding work in, in entertainment just really hit me where I live. Um, <laughs> part of the reason why, like, I do it at a local community level and not, you know, professionally. I I want to call out. You actually have other things on here that I think that we should call out. Uh, one of them is that that Jeff that Jeff Ryan scene because I think oh, I, that I thought we could, we kind of talked about. I that. know, but like, I want to actually cover it. Sure. Yeah. No. That. Um, man. It, just Ryan's character and how hearing him struggle to express what he's feeling, right? It's that. It's it's not just that you know his mom died, right? It, it's everything about that character and how you know I mentioned before, right? We all know those people in our in our lives for these characters same goes for for ryan and that's um that was that was special i'm never gonna try to compare myself to jeff uh i think that jeff has had 
an impact on me and like like the the ripple effect that Jeff has had is going to be really great. But I'm going to tell a couple of stories. Um, just, I'm going to tell the one about last the last two weeks where a person told me that um, I was their inspiration and that like I was the reason they were doing the thing that they were doing that nobody else had reached back out to them and that like I was their their cause moving forward and uh, for that one like I didn't know how to respond to that how do you respond to somebody that's saying something to you like that? I think that that's something that Jeff conveys really well in here. But additionally, like, how does that person move forward when they have that interaction? And I think that is also something that Jeff conveys really well in here. If we back up a little bit and we think about the people that impacted me, I think they also did a really good job of like paying it forward. Um, and I think that one of the things that this film teaches really well is kindness. That caring about the humanity of a person is far more important than like $20 to get a signature. Or whatever it is to get a hug. I don't think they ever cover that. But like. Uh, I had a doctor message me. When I was doing constructive criticism. I'm going to cry during this. Patty. So enjoy it. Uh, that. Uh, he was doing a surgery. And he thought about my podcast. Constructive criticism. And about being always improving. And he thought. What can I do better right now than I would normally do to save this person's life that's about to die? And Mikey, you you mentioned the person that messaged you something similar where like you could never you didn't mean to give them this message, but the thing that was conveyed was this thing that you would never like I would never expect a doctor to listen to my podcast, be in surgery, and think of my podcast during surgery. And the part about Famish is that it is a ripple effect. It is the thing that you do that impacts someone else, that then impacts the next person, and so on and so on. And so being that positive influence, that's the important part. That's the message of the movie. And I thought it did it really well. I'm going to cry now. But like. It, it is so much more important than like. Than your Twitter followers. Your Instagram followers. Than your TikTok followers. It's like. How did you make that next person. Help another person. And how, how did they help. How did they pay it forward. Like for lack of a better term. And I think that it does it really well. Sure. You're supposed to talk down, Patty. That's actually oh, yours. That, that how that works? Yeah, it's <laughs> your segment. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh... Sorry. Pat, Patty, can I tell you something? Yeah. You've, you've made me do this podcast. 
I've done it more because of you. I really appreciate you. Thank you, Spencer. I enjoy coming on and... <laughs> no, stop. No, you're just... You're, like, embarrassed now. I don't like that. <laughs> you don't even be embarrassed. I actually just, like, love doing it with you. Just like I love doing it with Mikey. Mikey's, you know, got his own life now. And, like... I, I don't know, like... I think that Famish does a really good job of purveying the message of, like, the positivity and, like, the thing that you are putting forward does it. Mike, any thoughts before we wrap up? No, I just, I I mean, I definitely agree that, like, regardless of what you're doing, whether it's painting or making films or podcasting or directing anime, you know, like that you don't know the impact you're going to have. You don't know who's going to like what you do and who doesn't. I have this conversation with my wife all the time, who is a brilliant artist and does not think that she is good whatsoever. Does she not? Um, she does not, but she is such a good artist. Oh my gosh. She's going to love the end of this podcast. Yeah. I have to have <laughs> regular conversations with her about the fact that like, you don't know until you put it out there and there are you, no matter how successful or not you are at the thing you're going after like there i promise you there's going to be at least one person who you don't know who's going to find that and it's going to mean something to them and if it's just one person it makes it worth it that's so great, great uh things too. That if, way you can always be like 100 percent your true authentic self like we talked about before yeah and and go 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 all in with the things that you do yeah. If you want to suggest a, con a topic, you can do it in the comments. Uh, we want to do it every two months, so leave a comment on the YouTube videos. Uh, Patty, I'm going to give you your Patty's poll. What is what is the poll this week? Yeah, so poll this week, I think we'll put it up in the Discord, and I'll, I'll post it to Twitter when the episode goes live here. Is that what's your favorite part of an anime or fan comic convention? Is it the cosplays? Is it the meet and greet with... Uh, the actors, is it the artists and the things you can buy as far as, uh, you know, those kind of products or other, uh, leave a comment yeah. of what, uh, and what we'll, your favorite part is. We'll put this on the, uh, obviously on the Spotify as well. Um, really quickly, I want to give some shout outs. Uh, I felt like that was important for this episode. Uh, so... Uh, first of all, shout out for Jeff for gifting us a viewing of this show. Um, at least one of us got to watch it for the first time through that. Uh, shout out to Josh for sound on this film, guessing on the show, just being a friend of the show. Um, I, I don't want to pretend like we're not reviewing a show that like somebody that we are, have had on the show is close to. Like, I, I want to be transparent that like one, uh, we're we're critiquing a thing that like people that we love did so um and then i want to give a shout out to mikey uh i actually want to give a couple so first of all um mikey is the best dm i've ever had uh, i've done D, D. no don't smile like that shut up uh i've done D, D three times 
Um, the first time I just quit because it was stupid. The second time, um, I just fell out of it. Like I couldn't find anybody at my level. The way that like Mormonism and like D and D aligned was not great. Uh, because like I had to be a specific type of character in a specific way, and like only certain people did that. They were all specific levels. It wasn't great. Uh, the third time we did it, Mikey did it, and before he did that, he actually DM'd Star Wars for me. Um, he tried all the way, and I I like to credit myself that Mikey is the greatest DM in the world because he did my Star Wars game. Because uh, he's so good. Like, And if you're looking for a DM professionally, uh, I think Mikey should charge like $75 a session or more, and you should hire him. Uh, I, I'm not. I don't know what that would actually cost. That might be too low, to be honest. Not Seventy-five dollars. No, way more. Way more. <laughs> no. No, that's way that's more. That's way more. That's Shut that's up. Stop <laughs> talking. I'm promoting you, Mikey. Thank uh, you. He uh, he voice acts for his non-player characters. He like when he talks about how much he loves storytelling in this podcast. Um, I. I don't have time for D&D right now, and I miss it a lot. I'm going to cry. Um, like, I miss it so much because of Mikey. And you should hire Mikey to be your professional DM. Uh, I, he probably doesn't have time. He probably is actually doing other stuff. But uh, you should try. Like, offer him more than what I said. Because he's like, oh, no, 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 that's, that's too little. It's like, no, no, no. You should pay him more. It is that good. Like it is actually he will write he will write literally months of content for you and you should pay him like so much a session. It's so good. And I got it for free. Um I appreciate that. <laughs> good. I'm glad you appreciate it. I appreciate it. I don't know how to respond to that. I'm I'm thanking you and you say thank you. That's weird. I don't know how to respond to it either. So, hey. I love you, man. I appreciate it. It's a very good compliment. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> you can find me at Spencer13H. You can find Patty at PattyBMTG. Michael, where can people find you? Um... Best place is probably Instagram. I'm technically have a Twitter, but I never post, and I only use it to follow D and D news, which recently been <laughs> super spicy. fun. Uh, no, spicy. no, hold we'll on, into that. hold on, hold on. You, what do we play? Uh, we, we play fifth, right? Yeah, we play fifth. fifth yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, like, we're the least affected. Um. In some ways, but no, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's everything. I'm happy to just jump in on this podcast specifically. I'll just say, screw Watsy. Like, what are you doing? You already ruined the magic for me and Patty. Why are you ruining D&D for Michael? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, been super fun. Why? Why? I think six letters kind of describe G- that, right? H-A-S-B-R-O. Just, oh my gosh. I mean, literally before this podcast and for the next three days, I'm going to be uh, spending transferring all... No, don't do it. 
I will. All of my oh, to me? All of my things. No, no, no. Uh, transferring everything off of D&D Beyond and over to uh, Roll20. Um, but wait, and, does that mean I have to yeah. do it? No, I'm. that's what I'm just saying. It's like for You're all gonna do it for me. in all of my campaigns. Oh, man. Um, I run four Anyway, if you want to support Mikey, who's a great DM who's just doing this for his players, uh, hit him up at... Uh, it's at Cosme Curious. Yeah. Honestly, um, I just, I, I just appreciate people that are watching the show. Uh, the show has grown so much over the last little while. The the fact that we're doing it weekly again, I've already seen the growth again. Um, Michael, thank you for coming on. Um, thank you for being an originator of this show. Um, I and also shout out to the countries that are listening to the show we're, we're gonna make this a regular segment but like the number of countries that like you are not the u.s listener and like this is your favorite podcast is like so great so thank you so much uh like subscribe review and we'll see you guys all next week for another episode of the need to nerd podcast <laughs>